Chapter Two of From Sunrise Land Letters from Japan by Amy Carmichael. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Two From Shanghai to Matsuya. Do ye look on things after the outward appearance? April twenty first, S.S. Yokohama Maru en route for Japan alone for the first time and yet not lonely in spirit for thou hast made thyself to me a living bright reality who could be lonely with jesus he satisfieth we are steaming out slowly into the dusk behind us lies the great dim shore of china before us a shoreline more shadowy still he knoweth what is in the darkness i will trust and not be afraid nagasaki april twenty fourth a few hours have been pleasantly spent with mr and mrs f of the c m s and now i am on board again quietly thinking over the fact that this is japan wooded hills surround the lovely bay from one the early christians were flung in the old days of persecution little sampans carrying bright-faced blue-clothed mortals are passing to and fro there is a sound of laughter in the air in the short time on shore i saw much but cannot stay to describe it yet this is japan that is enough for to-day and now lord i ask that i may be crucified to all but thee from all sin and self set free ever evermore chofu april twenty eighth according to mr buxton's kind arrangement miss thompson one of his party was to meet me at shimonoseki where i changed to a small coasting steamer but between plans and their fulfilment is many a slip and here the tail end of a typhoon interposed and my experiences savoured rather of robinson crusoe for after a wild night the sea was too rough to admit of easy landing hours were spent in waiting a mile or so from shore then a steam tug ventured out my luggage was rolled in somehow a few woebegone japanese passengers emerged from cabins below stumbled down the ship's ladder and tumbled in i among them after a prolonged pitch and toss we were precipitated upon a wave-washed pier the wind howled the rain pelted a vociferous swarm of wet watermen fell upon us worried and tugged and finally bore off whatever could be carried my boxes included and i looked for miss t but saw her not then a being pounced upon me handed me a card addressed to her with an address written in english upon its reverse side thinking she had come from him and all was right i followed him for a moment but when he began to talk in vigorous japanese it struck me something was wrong somewhere could he be mistaking me for somebody else evidently it was so gesticulations told it we stopped he and i and looked at each other so did everybody within range of voice or vision and they all talked hard mercifully the drollery of the thing carried me over the perplexity thereof i laughed they all laughed it was comic but serious for what to do or where to go where my baggage was above all where miss t was i knew not nor could i ask my captor though profoundly polite was obviously embarrassed he led me through a bit of street where all the little ladies and gentlemen adorning all the fans and teapots and paper umbrellas you ever saw seemed to have made themselves at home through a passage with sliding paper on one side and people on the other to a perfectly dark room 
what next i wondered and the next was a rumbling back of wooden shutters a slipping back of paper windows a flooding in of tongues and eyes and a lengthy conversation neither side much comprehending at last they realized that i wanted to know the fate of my boxes and to go to the ship's office if it possessed one in response to request number one my belongings were discovered safely scattered over the place a general stampede indicated a desire to comply with the second they escorted me to a sort of shed where lounged a youth smoking a long pipe he bowed gently but that was all at that moment of mild despair an english face appeared was there ever one more welcome he was a traveller passing through a mere chance had delayed him this morning and he happened to be in the office but i recognized god's finger in the chance how his plans fit in a few minutes all was straight i mounted a rickshaw was consigned to the tender mercies of a broad-nosed narrow-eyed mongol who undertook to convey me to the address on the card the abode of american missionaries it appeared and we started it felt slightly strange to be trundled off thus in this curious cross between a bath chair and a handsome cab of lilliputian make by a man unknown to a place unknown with no power at all save to sit still and trust part of the way lay between sea and hill the rain had gone and brilliant sunshine touched the still stormy waters and brought out wonderful rich green shades in the waves as they curled over on the brown rocks it glistened upon the dripping woods where tropic and temperate mingled and the crimson of camellia the purple of wisteria the ivory white of magnolia lifted their shattered beauty among pines and palms cryptomeria and bamboo we passed a hamlet or two where small things ran after us clad in quaint garments or none on and on we went till i began to wonder whether my human steed had forgotten the address and intended to run on until he remembered it suddenly we turned up a smooth sanded drive and calmly upset before a veranda whereon appeared a young lady who came forward to welcome me though not in the least divining who i could possibly be explanations followed they had expected miss t and sent their card to the hotel man who had taken possession of me asking him to meet her he naturally mistook me for her hence the bewilderment as to miss t s movements they concluded the storm had delayed her in her voyage down the coast and so it has proved she is here now and we are waiting for a boat up to matsuya these dear friends are so kind certainly missionaries seem hospitable people we are more than welcome as they say and feel indeed one in christ jesus the work in this little outstation is very interesting a church mission school a little orphanage bright young christians loving service rendered on all sides this is what we have seen and this in the midst of heathenism is something to thank god for there is another side they tell us difficulties discouragements disappointments are not few but praise him he is conqueror victory is sure april twenty ninth native hotel en route for matsuya curled up tailor fashion on the white matted floor under the fitful light of a swinging lamp surrounded by all the strange weird sights and sounds of evening in the east my thoughts turn homewards it is saturday morning with you i picture the exeter convention's closing meeting the well-known platform group 
the mass of upturned faces the ringing praise him praise him let us sing of his love once again or perhaps it is a missionary meeting and someone is pleading for the regions beyond how one's heart goes out in earnest asking that his love may constrain some lighted life to follow him into the dark the present with its contrast closes round me the encircling heathen town without one missionary the vastness of the need its pitifulness the blazing sunshine at least by comparison at home the darkness which may be felt out here will no one come but i dare not press the question only his voice may speak the go which sends only in the power of his spirit may one obey and now may i ask those whom the master is trusting to tarry at home to pray specially for some of us who are learning to be dumb think how you would feel if you were standing upon a rock around which were seething billows wherein were sinking and drowning men and women within your reach yet just out of it you safe yet helpless to save them helpless to stretch out a hand or throw out a lifeline helpless utterly almost so is it with us can you realize what it is to be plunged into silence just when your whole soul is longing most burningly to tell the good news you have come so far to bring oh that the gift of tongues were for us to-day but it must be best that it is not it is such a rest to know whatever one feels that what is in his plan is right how i wish i could show you something of what i have seen for the first time the eye affecteth the heart i know you would pray double if you could only look through my eyes for when he beheld the city he wept we are in the innermost shrine of an idol temple in the heart of a chinese city high above us tower colossal figures grim and terrible one with clenched fist clasping a huge club frowns down upon us at his feet lie offerings mutely appealing in the dim light are seen idol forms shrouded in mystery and before them candles flickering faintly reveal the darkness beyond the air is heavy with the sleepy fragrance of burning incense the voiceless silence of despair is eloquent in awful prayer and our hearts are aching as we turn away and look up to him who looks down upon us and looking so our eyes meet and we are comforted it will not be always so one day the lord of love alone shall be exalted and the idols he shall utterly abolish as we pass through the inner and outer courts between monster griffins quaintly fantastic the wail is lost in the victory song eternity's alleluia we are driving now through the country around us wide reaches of paddy fields stretch far away till green and blue touch here and there are scattered farmsteads to which distance lends enchantment and the pink and white of some late orchard's peach and cherry gives colour to the scene but dotted about everywhere singly or in groups are strange conical-shaped mounds hundreds and thousands of them each marks a heathen's grave as we take in the thought so startlingly unexpected it is as if the sky had overclouded and the chill of the shadow of death had fallen upon the land one seems to be in the midst of a vast cemetery where deathbeds and graves intermingle as in a dream they fear dying so says one they think a devil is catching them away and they cry out in terror as they feel his hand upon them 
and i think of a picture seen only yesterday of a buddhist hell the great scales held in merciless hands the naked shivering mortal placed thereon the verdict given with horrible glee by the spirit of torment the series of tortures too diabolical to tell one more fearsome than the other each intensified by the malicious delight of the ferociously horrible demons all revelling in a refinement of cruelty unspeakably realistic no wonder as that cold breath falls upon the shrinking soul it cries that piteous cry which even now seems to ring through the air and echo from mound to mound can you not hear it too before you read these lines think of it there will be nearly two millions of fresh mounds in china each vocal with that wail of woe and now i have reached the land of the rising sun and once more stand in the stillness of a heathen temple this time a shinto shrine old and quaint one cannot help looking forward to what this lovely land will be when the sun of righteousness shall rise upon it in the golden days to come all around is the glory of his handiwork who hath made everything beautiful nature unspoiled fair in her new spring dress of many tinted green decorated daintily with a glowing crimson and delicate pink of camellia and azalea bloom but again that ever-present shadow falls the very sunshine seems sad as for the first time for me it falls upon a figure worshipping what there he kneels bowing till his forehead touches the ground clapping his hands as we do here when we want a servant to come praying bowing and clapping again and again but there was no voice nor any that answered and in silence we watch him turn away half wistfully none of us can speak but we give him a copy of luke fifteen and he passes down the long avenue of stately cryptomeria reading it as he goes another comes he is carrying a bundle and lays it down by the shrine one is reminded of the pilgrim at the cross alas for the pitiful contrast he has an earnest face and bows and claps and prays repeatedly then goes to another corner leaving his burden behind into it we slip a prayer-wrapped leaflet presently he returns finds it looks at us inquiringly now one who can speak has come and for the first time he hears the message yes it is very wonderful he says he will read the book and think about the teaching he has never heard it before and so we leave him hearing once the story we have heard so often will he ever hear it again god knows there are more than thirty million in this lovely land who have never even heard once of jesus matsuya may first night and he said unto me my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness most gladly therefore will i rather glory in my infirmities that the power of christ may rest upon me may twelfth first impressions being more or less unrepeatable perhaps you would like a few more everything is so new to one here that one feels like an alice in wonderland and longs to share the funny mixture of sensations with you all in the dear homeland matsuya church is a converted shinto temple it is a real native church without a suspicion of the foreignizing element divested of hats and shoes we sit on the floor and are japanese to the japanese if by any means we may save some and praise god some are being saved that first sunday four new converts were baptized 
Will you pray that each may continue Christ's faithful soldier and servant unto his life's end? The Christians strike one as being very earnest and kindly. Their welcome was a thing to remember. They seem thinkers, too. One who can read English has borrowed my copy of Dr. Elder Cummings' Through the Eternal Spirit. Another does difficult translating work, and another with whom I have had some talk is what we should call at home a thoroughly well-read man. The women are sweet and gentle, not insipid or characterless, however, as their artists sometimes portray them. They are full of quick sympathies and tender little ways. One day, after putting on my Japanese dress for the first time, for some of us wear it here when working in villages where foreigners are unknown, I went away to ask him to use it to draw me closer to these strange new sisters, that they might be drawn to him. Just then one of them came in, and kneeling in their graceful way, offered me a dainty little carved vase, with a few kind words, which, though not translatable, were easily understood. It seemed as though he had sent her just then to tell me he was listening and would answer. It is not hard to care for such a people, but one does not want the mere natural love only, but the divine love, which loves the unlovable, and loves on, always, through all. Give me a love like thine, give me a love like thine. Should it lead me like thee unto dark Calvary, give me a love like thine. The language seems very difficult. One cannot hope to know it usefully for a long time, but the mere presence of a difficulty is inspiring, especially when one can count on superhuman help in overcoming it. In the meantime, a little may be done through interpretation. It is not easy to speak so. One feels far away, out of touch, helpless. The impotence of human power, the death there must be to fleshly glory, the literal nothingness in which one stands. These things press much, and one is thrown back upon God in a way I cannot describe. It must be all of him now. Later. Some of our Christian boys called this afternoon, and thinking you might as well come in touch, I asked them to draw something for you, whereupon one of them disappeared for a minute or two, and presently returned with the enclosed romantic production, the garden rake. It is made of bamboo slips, as you perceive, and the little spiky bits scattered about are supposed to be pine needles. And now to return to description. Matsuya lies between two inland seas or lakes, the lower one opening into the sea, the upper bounded by the hills. They are connected by a broad stream, navigable by small steamers, and by diverse streamlets and canals. Just where the upper lake narrows thus and flows smoothly down to its twin in the valley, the old feudal town is built. Its castle crowns a wooded height. In the distance, Mount Daisen rises, snow-tipped still. Sketches cannot catch the beauty of it all. Blue and green, brown and purple, opal lights and changeful shadows, sunset glories on the waters. You must paint them for yourselves, I cannot. A corner from the pagoda-shaped castle may interest you, as it is essentially Japanese. But there is much more to show you. Stand with me on the edge of the crowd which gathers round any small street excitement. Here is a knot of schoolboys, bright-eyed, mischievous. There a gentle woman lingers. She smiles at you and you notice the blackened teeth and shaven eyebrows, which means she is married, and marred, so far as appearances go. A small boy rushes across, demands her attention, and she disappears from view. Ting-ting! 
it is the begging priest with his metal bell and sing-song voice at the corner a fishmonger performs upon a victim just out of the water-tub he looks content it does not lower down is a toy and sweet shop three demure little maids enter bow profoundly and are bowed too in return in the street beyond a night fair is being arranged for it will be gay enough for chinese lanterns and flaring torches will reveal wares of many a name and nation from ancient shrines with tiny idols shut inside to the latest but ten pot-hat from the west everywhere is life and colour children play about sometimes with babies not much smaller than themselves tied to their little backs you wonder how those infants escape sunstrokes as you watch their shiny shaved heads dangling unshaded over the tight blue folds which bind them in but nobody seems to mind the babies least of all they blink and thrust out sticky little fists bob up and down asleep or awake in imperturbable good humour the houses are all so built that you can see straight through to the garden yard at the back there are scraps of rockwork and dwarf pine toy pools and bridges all manner of quaint things the room opening out upon it is fair to see pure mats wood polished and natural flowers arranged in a way which suggests a poem made visible but it is not all gladness night has come and as we ride home in a kuruma which is japanese for jin rickshaw a strange thing passes us a funeral in the darkness dimly lighted by the paper lanterns carried by the mourners we only see a line of swiftly moving white draped figures of a square white draped box of more ghostly forms and swinging lanterns they are hurrying on to the temple there now they pass within its massive gates and the priests do their work and all is over to-morrow the children will play where these feet have sped nothing will speak of what the night watches saw and so it has gone on for nights untold and so it may for many to come oh it is awful awful nothing can prepare one for the realities of heathendom the woe of it the shame of it think of his honour being given to another think if you can that you see it done would it not move you into feeling anything anything we could give or do just nothing if only it could help to heal the open sore of heathendom healed it may be and shall be for in the thick of it all facing it fearlessly here stands the cross of the crucified one symbol of faith in the father's dear son symbol of victories yet to be won by this we conquer End of chapter 2 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine